0: Hello and welcome back to the Gold Podcast. I'm Helena Beer, the editor of Gold, and I'm pleased to be joined once again by my co host, Isabel O'Brien, Gold's assistant editor. How are you doing, Isabel?
1: Hello, yes, I'm good, thanks. Getting on in earnest now with our next issue, which feels pretty crazy, but it's exciting <laughs> all the same. Um, I'm particularly excited about a feature I'm writing about representation in pharma. Mm. I've had some really fantastic and respected leaders confirm that they will be offering their thoughts in the piece this
0: week. So, yes, very much looking forward to that one. Absolutely. It's clearly a topic that people are keen to talk about and rightly so. Um, And it's so important for pharma companies to have that diverse range of thought at all levels as well. I'm looking forward to reading it. Absolutely. I just need to finish writing it now. Best of luck with that. Um, We also have a very exciting Catalyst interviewee for the next issue. So watch this space. All will be revealed in April. It will indeed. So, Isabel, what do we have coming up today? Well,
1: this week we are pleased to present a chat with Bora Erdemli, Associate Principal and Leader of the Medical Affairs Practice in Europe for ZS. Now Bora is actually a long-time friend of gold, having contributed to a number of features over the years and has introduced us to a number of guests who we have featured on the podcast. So I thought it was finally time that
0: we heard from the man himself and that is the interview we are presenting today. It is indeed. Bora is a whiz on all things medical affairs. He's been at ZS for over eight years now and is currently in charge of leading the firm's medical affairs practice in Europe. In his work, he focuses on helping companies create winning medical affairs strategies across data and evidence generation, insight activities and more. He is also a member of the Medical Affairs Professional Society or MAPS in which he co-leads the Nordics and Switzerland chapter. Yes, Bora has a huge amount of experience in medical affairs
1: and has lots of thoughts on the past, present and future of the function. Let's play the interview. So Bora, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Um, I think I should start by saying I'm, I'm a big fan of the gold, right? And the, your what you are doing, very interesting topics. Um, I feel privileged to be here.
1: Oh, well, we very much appreciate that. Um, and we are very much looking forward to hearing from you as well on the topic of medical affairs. So this is going to be our key point of discussion today. So let's get to it. First of all, though, on the podcast, we always like to get a bit of a flavor of who we're talking to. So I can see that you started off in science. You've got a PhD in biophysics. What drew you into the pharmaceutical industry or pharmaceutical consulting over staying in that research realm?
2: Yeah. um, So actually, I started as an engineer and then switch to science, and then switch back to business. Mm. Always, when I talk about it, I talk about it moving from the, um, moving to the dark side. Mm. The scientists love it, but I think the you know, when I, you inter- know, I interact with a lot of pharmaceutical professionals, also mm. physicians and patients, as part of my job. Mm. Usually, what draws everyone into pharma is a, a story about their life. Um, there is, uh, you know, there are a lot of individuals who are passionate about patients passionate about you know saving lives i think this part of it for me is all the same mm-hmm. and i think when i was doing research i was very deep in one area and and my ability my ability to impact is not at scale that i wanted i think that moving to business working within the pharmaceutical industry uh, allowed me to help people uh, make good decisions for the patients right mm-hmm. and at scale so this is uh, this is one of the other reasons why i moved to um maybe more on the business side yeah um i think the science yes you can do that but i think this job and um and and being in front of my clients being in front of physicians give me a lot of opportunities to get to know really interesting people who are passionate about saving lives i think this is again another maybe privilege for me to be in this industry i i'm very passionate about it
1: Mm. And the opportunity to travel a lot as well. You're joining us from Switzerland, to Brussels, to London, yes. and
2: then this this week I did uh, three countries in one day, which is I think close to my record. I did four before, so it's a, also a bit of a uh, advantage of being in Switzerland, so you can change countries really quickly. Mm. But yes, I also travel quite a bit. Uh, although I started my career in U.S., um, I think moving to Europe, moving back close to home, uh, really helped me get my. Better, broader, more global perspective.
1: And where you've settled, where your specific focus is, is medical affairs. Mm -hmm. So, what drew you to this function in particular?
2: I think one one main reason is that we just talked about, which is science, right? Mm -hmm. I think medical is part of the pharmaceutical ecosystem where there's a lot more focused on clinical and scientific applications of the innovations. The other one is actually people. Um, I think I. You know, I started my consulting career focusing on the commercial functions I did work with marketeers, sales folks, market access professionals, great people, amazing. Um, but every time that I'm in a medical affairs conversation, we didn't talk about how many more drugs that we should be selling, which physicians should we should be targeting, mm-hmm. you know, how do we maximize our return on investment. I think we talk a lot about how can we educate physicians? and give them much more power to, or ability to make better decisions. Uh, How can we change patients' lives? I think that gave me a lot of satisfaction Mm. and being in that environment, thinking about problems that actually touching people's life. um, I think that drew me back into uh, maybe a bit of a science Mm. side of things and medical affairs.
1: The human element of pharma maybe coming in a bit more. Correct. And I didn't actually realise you'd spent some time in commercial. What what do you think that experience has taught you that you use in your your medical affairs
2: career? So I think one thing is um, it's helpful for me and helpful for the people that I work with now in the medical affairs function. I think often one of the areas that medical affairs professionals haven't been historically spending time in and not necessarily have a lot of experience is how the actual pharmaceutical business do really work my my understanding of how actual bigger or larger ecosystem work really helped me um help people broaden their perspective about you know what they do and why they are doing it the other piece is also i think i you know one of the things that we are going to also talk about today is the value of medical affairs which um knowing what the broader organization care about what Mm -hmm. they think how they think about their business it really helped me help my uh, you know, clients today from the medical affairs perspective to tell their stories in a much more impactful way. Mm. Their value stir their impact. I think that those couple things really helped that, um, I mean, being in commercial, spending a lot of time really helps me, um, maybe help me help others right, mm. in, within mm. the medical affairs function
1: we're going to talk about later the skills you may need coming into medical affairs now and I think a lot of that is going to be around that business acumen that you can't necessarily have if you haven't worked in the business and we're going to talk about how maybe that could happen but I will leave that for later you mentioned value there and when I quoted you in my recent piece you gave me a quote that somewhat took off on LinkedIn it gained a lot of attention people really loved it and in case you don't know this quote, it was farmer organizations have a Ferrari in their multi-car garage and they are driving it to do the grocery shopping. So Bora, what did you mean by this?
2: Yeah, I think first of all, I'm a Formula One fan and a Ferrari fan. So maybe that's part of it inspired by that part portion. But I think what I mean by this is very simply that um, the historically, and it's changing, you can talk about that too, Um, the medical affairs professionals within that large ecosystem of um, professionals within within the pharma is underestimated sometimes or um, not paid enough attention. It was a little outside of the spotlight. While that's happening, uh, the medical affairs teams have evolved, right? The way that they operate, the capabilities that they built, um, the, the, the value that they are generating for not just the Uh, the internal pharma organization, but the patients, the physicians. Um, And we are seeing that they are taking that car and taking to different places than just the shopping now, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when um, the organization's focusing on building better partnerships with actual healthcare ecosystem players, not just the physicians, but hospitals, uh, payers, governments, right? And then when you do that, maybe the foundation of good partnerships is trust. And who is in the organization in a much better place than medical, which has as an organization, purely unbiased, scientific, clinical, patient-focused view? And why can't we equip our medical affairs teams to be able to lead that partnership development? So so we are going to talk about that later in our conversation, as you alluded to earlier, what are the type of skills and capabilities that you need they need to also evolve. So today, for many different reasons, I don't see that the medical affairs is there yet. Mm.
1: And you touched on there that you see this in a lot of organizations, that medical affairs is potentially being undervalued or potentially being underutilized. Why do you think there is a discrepancy? Why do you think some organizations are getting this right and some aren't?
2: There is a bit of a history behind it. I think pharmaceutical industry, which I think part of the reputation problem that the pharma is having is because of this, it's very commercially driven. Mm. It's it's a business that you know fa- people are running, right? Because of that commercial focus, focus on return on investment, um, I think drive people to put their resources to places where they can drive more revenue, higher profitability, et cetera, right? Mm. But then they also realize that uh, there's a function needed to be able to take this vast amount of scientific information and communicate to the physicians in a very unbiased way and effectively, mm-hmm. so medical affairs is formed. However, they just, they just didn't get enough, simply enough resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were asked to do things, um, maybe one-tenth of the resources that's provided to the commercial team. So that's, that's one reason. The second thing is, I think, Right now, when you look at the innovation and how the medical uh, science is moving, there is the the treatments and the pathways that the physicians need to follow is a lot more complicated. Mm. I mean, obviously, the concept of personalized medicine, new innovations like cell and gene therapy, it's very high science, right? And then there are a lot of nuances that a physician needs to understand. And sometimes even patient needs to understand for them to be able to make a decision together effectively so that information is growing Mm -hmm. and and now there is a need coming back to the pharma organization and saying hey you know we do a lot of research by the way with um physicians and more commercial purposes and also from the medical affairs perspective when we ask this question you know what type of information that you want to hear who do you want to really meet Mm -hmm. we are seeing increasingly they want to see someone like a medical professional medical affairs professional on the topics a lot more focused on clinical decision making, right? They are not much interested in um, the proper sales pitch anymore. So I think this is the other driver of you know organizations who listen to their mm-hmm. customers closer. Mm-hmm. They made this shift earlier and they put more resources into medical, and then others are catching up in that direction.
1: I heard something interesting the other day, which was kind of related to this topic. It was about rather than MSLs replacing sales reps, are we going to be sourcing sales reps with more robust scientific backgrounds? Is that something you could see?
2: I think I agree with you around the the expectations that we have from the sales rep and how they interact with Mm. the physicians will change. I don't think that sales reps are going to disappear, but they are going to evolve. I think they're going to evolve a lot more than actually MSLs will evolve. Mm. That's my expectation. and. I think this, also the numbers are going to be more balanced in the future as well. So now you know, when we look at it on average, um, and this is across all therapeutic areas, roughly you know, for every MSL, there are eight, you know, six to eight essentially yeah. sales rep. I, and we are seeing it over time. That's also changing. It used to be you know, 10 to one, 12 mm. to one, right? But I expect that to be even getting closer.
1: Very interesting. Um, now, we've been alluding to this all throughout uh, <laughs> our interview, um, but talking about the skills that the future medical affairs workforce will need. Um, I mean, I guess starting off with, do you think young people graduating now have an awareness of medical affairs?
2: Um, I don't think that it, it is at the level that it should be. Hmm. Um, there is a bit of a shift. People are interested, but I don't think that there is enough education uh, for people to understand what medical affairs is um, how can how they can be part of an organization like that um, what what are the type of skills that this requires and how some of the skills that they have can be translated there is not enough i think usually right now is much more either people are just curious people and they go explore themselves or They do it through their network. Mm, They're
1: stumbling across it rather than understanding it's a destination. It's
2: also, I mean, when you think about pharma jobs, there's a huge development organization. A lot of scientists and researchers are working on actually developing and testing new molecules and treatment. So if you are coming from a science background, a PhD graduate student, you kind of know that exists. Mm. And then the other part of the organization is dominated by commercial folks, right? Marketeers and salespeople. So I can see your perception of a pharma professional is a lot more like a sales profile Mm. or marketeer profile. So Mm. you don't necessarily know what a medical affairs professional is or how do you really meet that person. Mm. I think it's a bit of a numbers game in a Mm. way.
1: And so if we take an example of someone who has decided to join the medical affairs mm-hmm. function, what skills do they need now that maybe they wouldn't have needed 20 years ago?
2: What they need now is they definitely, I think you alluded to it earlier, that business understanding. How does a pharmaceutical organization work? What are, what do, what are the roles of the, these different functions? How does it really come together? The reason is that because medical affairs is the bridge, both internally and externally. So you need to know what you are bridging. So I think that understanding is pretty critical. The other thing is I think what you need is a lot more communication skills, which helps you. Again, we talked about how or why the medical may be not valued uh, high enough in the organization. It's part of also medical affairs professionals over time didn't do a good job telling that story well. So that's helpful internally at communication skills. That's definitely uh, necessary. It's not even an optional externally, because I think the role evolved from just telling someone about a piece of data to more about, yes, I'll tell you, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what the new scientific innovation is, but I like to understand how you're going to use it. What mm-hmm. does it really mean to you in, in your practice? can you also tell me more about you know what you are seeing in the real world setting right and you need to in order for you to do this effectively you need to be a good communicator you need to be asking good questions i think that's another big skill i think the third one is increasingly important to me some sort of a combination of data and technology there is today i think the, the we did some little analysis to look at this the volume of scientific evidence that is generated for a molecule, majority of it is actually generated um, post-clinical development, generated looking at real-world data sources, actual, you know, the patient information, data. Um, So I think you need to understand what are these different information sources available to you, uh, and what are the advantages and disadvantages, nuances across, Mm. um, and and how it's being collected, how it can be collected, then you can actually do a much better job of telling your story better. I think that's going to be also very critical. The, the, the technology part, also a bit of digital, obviously. You know. We are seeing a trend back to in-person interaction, but the digital is going to be here to stay, and we'll see what the future is going to tell. But I think you need to be more of a digital native. I think that's, again... Uh, even 10 years ago, wasn't even uh, a necess- necessity. I think, I think that people need to, sp- when they built the I don't know, medical affairs manager job profiles, that has to be part of a commun- qualification now.
1: Yeah. Well, talking of the future, obviously we've spoken about a huge range of topics within medical affairs, but if you had to pick a couple of predictions within the next five years for the function, what would you go for?
2: Yeah, I like predictions because when you make them, it doesn't have to happen. So which is <laughs> most of my job is all about, you know, being really fact and evidence-based and you kind mm. of need to make sure that that's working in a shorter period of time. But this, yeah. this is what I like. Um, so th- right now, there are many different parts of medical affairs organization en- engaging with external customers. I think you know, the field medical is a big part of that, maybe the biggest. Then there's medical information. And then there is medical education, um, and then there's a few other pieces too. But I think these three main big functions, all customer-facing, I think in the near future, these functions are going to come together. That's a likely change, will happen in the next few years. And it's also the right thing to do because you know, how, how how else can you create that consistent and high-quality experience? The other thing is, I think, what medical affairs is going to do a lot more is having much more purposeful insights and data-driven ways of changing practice. What I mean by this is that going in different healthcare systems, it could be a country, it could be a region, and driving initiatives to really understand what the medical, clinical, and also health equity gaps are, and then finding and creating solutions to address those gaps. The reason that I think that medical is going to be in the, you know, frontier of this is because they understand the medicine. They understand clinicians and clinical gaps. They are the, they can be the trusted partners to these external stakeholders because they're not coming in essentially with a commercial intent. And then they can use their connector power to the rest of the organization to pull this through. I think that that is, a, to me, is the fundamental change that medical affairs is going to go through. Eventually, if you do this effectively, and this is also the pharma's role, will need to follow that and change it. Then again, I think that that organization is going to call it something else. right? And maybe then you're going to realize that you might not need these different other functions and move the resources back into this partnership model, because that's where the, where the future is.
1: A very interesting vision. We'll have to see if it comes true. Bora, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been great
2: to speak to you. Yeah, thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to our next uh, partnership.
0: Fantastic to hear Bora's predictions there and what an interesting interview. Yeah I think it's great to think about where
1: the medical affairs function has come from and also where it's heading in the future. It is without a doubt going to keep rapidly evolving according to Bora and some of our other guests we've heard
0: from have also said this too. Absolutely. Last week's guest Darshan, also touched on some of the points discussed today around MSLs and sales reps so do go and check out his episode if you missed it. That too is well worth a listen. But with that, it is time
1: to sign off. Thank you for listening and don't forget to rate, review and most importantly, subscribe
0: wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. Bye for now and we'll see you next week.